Um, how many of you like to reminisce? How many of you like to look back and, and think back, maybe about the good old days or the good old times, the good times you had before? Uh, some, anybody like to really reminisce and, and think back? Sure. Uh, I, I do. I like to think back and reminisce a little bit uh, about, especially where I've come in ministry. Uh, I've been doing this for uh, over 20 years now. I've been doing, been preaching for over 20 years. Uh, my first church uh, was a little church in the bean and soy, uh, soybean and uh, cornfields of Illinois, uh, literally surrounded on all sides by corn and bean fields. Uh, it was a little town of uh, 1,200 people. The first Sunday I got there to the Atwood Christian Church to be their preacher, there were 18 people in the auditorium. 18 people. And I tell you what, you guys owe the folks at the Atwood Christian Church a great deal of gratitude and thanks because uh, they allowed me to make mistakes. They allowed me to fail like time and time again. They let me cut my teeth on what it means to be a preacher and be a pastor. Uh, and those folks down there suffered through a lot of first-time minister mistakes. Um, but they loved me and Shannon right through it. And it was a great experience. And I tell you what, I am so thankful. We'll be eternally grateful to the folks of the Atwood Christian Church for everything they did for me uh, as, a, as a young preacher. Um, but we had a great successful ministry there. We doubled the size of the congregation while we were there. Uh, God did a great work. We saw a lot of people come to faith and get baptized. And that church today is now running like somewhere between 75 and 80 people on a Sunday morning. So it kept going. Here's the, here's the interesting thing is um, when they hired me, okay, I was in my second semester of Bible college. I hadn't even finished my first preaching class yet. And they hired me. And this is what they told me. We've been through six ministers in five years. And we kind of see you as our last chance. And I'm like, you bet on the wrong horse, folks. You bet on the wrong horse. Uh, but not only did God bless our ministry there, he blessed the church, and the church continues going to this very day. So God is good. Um, from there, uh, we, we had a very successful ministry there. Then we moved to Forest Lake, Minnesota, five of the coldest years of my life. Um, so I, I, I will occasionally get on the Weather Channel's website to see what the weather is like back in Forest Lake, just so I can remember how horrible it was. Um, get this, the temperature dropped below zero about two days ago, and it's not going to rise above zero for another two days. That's like the high temperature is in the negatives for five days straight. And that happens there every single year every year okay so like this is like every day in minnesota from like october to may i mean it's just oh if you hate winter like i hate winter i don't know why god called me to minnesota but uh because he knows how much i hate winter but it's all good it's all good and i tell you what the folks of the forest lake christian church are wonderful people we had a great ministry there learned a lot uh, the church, we were there for five years, and just, it was just a, a tremendous opportunity uh, to be up there. And then uh, 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, we moved here to Griffith, and we've had a great ministry here. We had some, uh, we've had a lot of different great things happen here. Uh, lots of new people come in. Uh, the church has experienced tremendous growth over the last three, four years, and God has been so faithful, and God has been so good uh, to us here at Griffith. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. Because like when I look back, it can become very tempting 
to rest on your laurels, right? It can be test- tempting uh, to, to sit back and relax. But you know, we've been working really hard and we've been doing a lot of good stuff and maybe it's time to just kind of take a break. Or maybe it's time to take it easy and just maybe just relax a little bit and, and just be thankful for what God has done and just kind of let him uh, kind of coast. Maybe it's just time to coast for a, for a year or two uh, because we've been working so hard and because we've seen so many good things happen. It's, it, maybe it's time to coast. And we can be like this, not only as a church, but we can be like that as Christians, uh, where as followers of Jesus, sometimes in our faith, we'll start to coast and we'll start to relax and think, you know what, I've been working so hard in my faith and, and now it's just time to kind of sit back and relax and coast. You know, uh, we'll do it at home, right? We'll, you know, we'll, we'll reminisce about our life before, you know, before we had kids or before we got married or when we first got married, we'll be thinking, oh man, when we first got married, life was great, you know, and less stressful, less money, but you know, less, less stress. As Puffy always say, more money, more problems. But, um, yo, (laughs) it's one of my favorite songs. Never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. So, But when it, comes to, um, when it comes to looking back at the past, you know, we can be tempted uh, to look back and, and just think about how things always used to be so much better. Or we can be tempted to look back and think, you know what, it's time to coast, it's time to relax. You know, I've been working really hard, I've been going to church on a regular basis, I've been praying more, uh, I've, been, uh, st- I've been reading my Bible more, and you know, I, I've been working really hard at it. Maybe it's just time to kind of take it easy, relax. And, and coast a bit. Or maybe at work, you get a good review and you think, you know what, I've been working my tail off and now it's just time for me to kind of coast and, and relax. And, and when it comes to being a church, when it comes to us as a church, um, there is no time to relax. There is no time to coast. There is no time to become complacent as a church family. Because time is running out and we have a job to do. We have a job to do, and that is to reach our world for Jesus. Our vision here at GFCC is this. We want to reach 1% of the unreached people in the Griffith Highland area over the next five years. That's over 300 people. That's what we want to do. That's our vision, to reach more than another 300 people in the next five years. And you may be thinking, that'll never happen, because that means we would double the size of our congregation, right? That, that, That sounds crazy, folks. This is the vision that God has laid on our hearts. This is what we're going to do. And I want to talk a little bit about that next week. For today, I want to talk about looking back. But not looking back so that we can rest on our laurels. Not looking back so that we can become complacent. Not looking back so that we can uh, take it easy or relax. I want to talk about looking back so we can celebrate what God has done, but also with an eye on the future. Um, we're going to start a series today. It's a two-week series called What's Next. Uh, and like I said, today we're going to talk about what's next looking back. Next week will be what's next looking forward uh, to 2018. I thought it would be a great way to, to finish up the year here uh, at GFCC. So uh, we are in Philippians chapter 3 for the next two weeks. We're going to look at the first half of chapter 3 today. And then next week we're going to look at the second half of chapter 3. And I want to tell you a little bit about this book, uh, the book of Philippians, the Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, Philippi... Uh, was a, a church, the church of Philippi, was a church that Paul started, uh, and it was a church for which
which he had a lot of affection. He loved this church. And Philippians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. In fact, it's the first book I ever preached uh, way back in Atwood uh, in uh, 1997. Um, that's the first book I ever preached. It was the first book I preached in Forest Lake, Minnesota. And it was the first book I preached here in Griffith. I love this book. And I love its themes of joy and selflessness. And, and uh, I, I just love this book. Uh, and so in chapter 3, Paul is going to address a controversy that was going on in the first century church. And it was a controversy regarding circumcision. Now, that may sound weird to us. It's like, what kind of controversy is he talking about? Let me explain it just a little bit. Uh, circumcision was a covenant sign uh, between God and the nation of Israel. Uh, and it was an outward sign of, of who God's people were. So the men who were circumcised, it was their sign of showing that they belonged to God's people. Now, in the New Testament, uh, when the Gentiles started coming to faith in Christ, there were a group of people called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were those who were trying to convince the Gentile believers that they needed to be circumcised, that they needed to become one of God's people as a, as a Jew uh, before they could become Christians. So that's what this whole controversy uh, surrounds. Uh, now, when it comes to uh, this idea uh, that, uh, that they needed to be circumcised, it, it has to do with following the law of um, Moses. Uh, and so it was uh, the law of Moses that said that Jews had to be circumcised. And Paul is going to tell the, the church of Philippi that, look, you've been trying to, we've been trying to follow the law of Moses uh, for thousands of years, and we can't do it. In fact, there's only one who ever perfectly kept the law of Moses, and his name was Jesus. And he's the only one who ever kept the law perfectly. Whether it's the Ten Commandments or the 613 commands of the Old Testament, only Jesus kept all the commands perfectly. And for the rest of us, we cannot be saved by following commands. We cannot be saved by following the law of Moses. So you can say, well, I'm a good person. I keep the Ten Commandments. Do you? I mean, do you really? You never lie. You never take anything that doesn't belong to you. You never... Uh, cheat on your spouse. You never, you never cheat on your taxes. You never, um, you go to church every Sunday. No? Okay, well, neither do I, by the way. Um, uh, when it comes to, yeah, I know, I'm a horrible person, believe me. Somebody once told me that, like, if you keep telling us what a horrible person you are, we're going to start to believe you. I'm like, you should believe me. I'm an awful person. Um, I'm just forgiven. <laughs> saved by the blood of the Lamb. Saved by the grace of Jesus. Just like you. Um, so when it comes to uh, salvation, uh, we cannot be saved by following the law of Moses. We cannot be saved by following the Ten Commandments or saved by following the 613 commands of the Old Testament. We cannot be saved by being good enough. We can only be saved by the grace of God. We can only be saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we express that faith in Jesus by believing in him, repenting from our sin and turning away from sin and turning to God for forgiveness, confessing our faith publicly and getting baptized. And God washes away our sins when, uh, at that moment that we get baptized. And that's awesome. That it's not about how many laws we keep. It's not how, about how many rules we follow. It's about God's grace and this gift of salvation that he wants to give to every human on this planet. So it's not about following laws. It's not about following rules. It's about following Jesus. Now I want to talk a little bit about 
that today. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 is where we're at. If you, if you brought a Bible, great, pull it out and, uh, and uh, read along with me, or uh, you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. You can use the Bible in the chair in front of you. It's on page 832, or the words will be up here on the screen uh, in big print. Uh, let's look at Philippians 3, verses 1 through 6 as we get started, as I drop my Bible. Mm. Finally, my brothers, Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Now, he tells them to rejoice. And like I said, one of the themes of Philippians is this theme of joy. And the reason that uh, Paul tells the Philippians to rejoice and the reason that they can have joy is because they have salvation. Happiness depends on circumstances and situations. Happiness is a, 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 a a warm cookie and a glass of milk. Uh, that is happiness uh, until it's gone. And then, it's, then you're no longer happy uh, until pizza comes later. Um, so, mm, pizza. Uh, is it too close to lunchtime? Yes, it is. But joy is dependent upon salvation. If happiness is dependent upon circumstances and situations, joy is dependent upon salvation. And the good thing about salvation is it never changes. God doesn't change the rules on you halfway through the game. Salvation stays the same. And it is, we, are, uh, we can have trust and faith in Jesus that he is not going to change the rules on us and that we can have salvation in his name. Uh, and this gives us reason for joy. That even if life stinks and things, uh, situations and circumstances stink, uh, we can still have joy because Jesus still loves us. And Jesus still saves us by the grace of God. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we, Christians, who are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, Paul says. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. So Paul is listing this laundry list of all of his qualifications of why he uh, should be considered um, uh, ethnically and religiously uh, a uh, qualified uh, to be part of the people of God. He says, look, I'm not a convert to Judaism. I was born a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he says. I can trace my lineage all the way back to the tribe of Benjamin. And not only that, but I was raised and taught the law of Moses, and I followed the law. Legalistically, I was perfect. And not only that, but I was a Pharisee. Now, we hear Pharisee in the church today. We think, well, those were the bad guys uh, who were always persecuting Jesus. But in Paul's day, Pharisees were looked at as the Holy Joes. Those were the good guys. Those were the guys who knew the law backwards and forwards. And everybody looked up to the Pharisees. Jesus knew their hearts, though. That's why I call them whitewashed tombs. Now, he also says, as for, le as for zeal, I was persecuting the church. You see, Paul, before he was Paul, when his name was Saul, he not only approved of, uh, not only oversaw, but he also approved of the persecution of the church, the imprisonment and death of Christians. Because he thought they were going the wrong way and they were, uh, they were worshiping uh, God who was not God. And so Paul, before he was Paul, when he was Saul, was persecuting the church. In fact, he said because of that, he called himself the chief of sinners, the worst sinner who ever lived. Paul considered himself to be the worst sinner who ever lived. So I got good news for you. 
you'll never be worse than number two. Never, no matter how bad you are, no matter the things you've done, where you've been, stuff you've said, or good deeds that you haven't done, wherever you've been, no matter how bad you think you are, you'll never be worse than number two. Congratulations. Somebody always worse than you. And probably number three, because the guy on never mind about the guy on stage. Um, so, so Paul says, uh, I have all the qualifications, and I am, I, I, I am qualified to put confidence in my flesh, to put confidence in my lineage, in my heritage, in my religious heritage. But, he says, verse 7, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And so he says, all those qualifications, all of those things that make me qualified, I consider them a loss. Uh, I used to consider them to be a profit. I used to consider them gain. Now I consider them loss. In fact, I consider them to be trash or rubbish, garbage. The Greek word there, the, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek, and the ancient Greek word for rubbish that is translated rubbish in the NIV is the word skubalon. Can you say skubalon? I knew you could. So skubalon literally means, what the word literally means is poo. I'm not kidding. I'm not making up. It literally means poo. So this is what Paul says about his qualifications. It's garbage, it's rubbish, it's poo. It's worth nothing, he says, compared to knowing Jesus. My past is poo compared to my future and knowing Jesus. That's what he is saying. And like I said, it can be real easy for us to reminisce about the past and to look back and think, wow, we've come so far and so many great things have happened. So many wonderful things have happened. We can do it in our lives. We can do it as a church. We can do it as Christians. We can do it at work. We can do it at home where we look back and reminisce about the past and we get complacent. Either that or we get prideful. Now I want to talk about that for just a, a couple of minutes. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate things, accomplishments and achievements that have happened in the past. I want to tell you a little bit about how things have changed around here at GFCC, especially for all of our new folks and our new friends and new family members. You know, things, uh, the what you see here today isn't quite the way it used to be 5, 10, 15, 25, 35 years ago. In fact, uh, I was doing some research this week about the history of GFCC. Did you know GFCC has been here for 97 years? 2020 will be our 100th anniversary. A hundred years in 2020. I can't wait for the party that we are going to throw in 2020. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Um, but, so GSTC has been here for 97 years. Over those 97 years, uh, I, I did some research. Back in the 1960s, we set an all-time attendance record for a weekend. It was 654. We came 14 people shy. 14 of you cost, didn't invite a friend last week. Fourteen of you had invited a friend last week. We would have tied the all-time record. No, it doesn't matter. Scubalon. Anyway, uh, so 
But we had 640 people here last weekend. And so it's like probably the second most amount of people we've ever had uh, in, a wor- in, a, in a weekend. That's awesome. So 640 people. In fact, in 2017, we had two weekends where we had over 600 people here. So God is moving. God is doing great things. We haven't seen this kind of growth and we haven't seen this kind of, this kind of results uh, in, in decades. It's awesome to see what God is doing. Um, and not only that, but we've had a, a, a ton of decisions made over the last four years. I'm going to talk about the last four years for just a few minutes. In 2014, we had 31 decisions uh, made for uh, people joining the church or, or being baptized. 31 decisions. Out of those 31, 15 were baptisms. In 2015, we had 48 decisions, tw- 34 of which were baptisms. 2016, we had 38 decisions. 21, which were baptisms. And this year, 2017, we've had 58 decisions, including uh, 34 baptisms. It's amazing. So out of those, out of that, over the last four years, we've had 175 decisions, including 104 baptisms. And not only that, but we've done uh, um, amazing things have happened around here. Uh, We have uh, been able to double the attendance of the church in the last four years, uh, we used to be running about 150, 155, and now we're running over 300 on a, on a Sunday. Um, it's, it's amazing what God has been doing here at GFCC. Not only that, we've been able to uh, exceed our yearly budget for the last four years, each year for the last four years. Um, we have uh, been able to hire new staff. We hired an associate pastor, a children's pastor. Uh, we had a part-time worship pastor before Brandon uh, stepped into the associate role. Uh, so we've been able to hire staff. Um, we have uh, been able to modernize the building. How many of you, uh, how many of you remember the pews? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Fondly, right? Fondly remember the pews and how uncomfortable they were. <laughs> but no, we've been able to modernize the building, be able to do some different things. And, and, and it's just amazing what God has been doing here at GFCC these last four years. And like I said, it'd be real easy to just kind of sit back kick back and go, you know what, we've been working hard, Uh, you know, things have been going great, and it's just time to sit back and relax and just kind of coast a bit. Rest on our laurels, rest on our achievements, rest on our accomplishments, and just sit back and relax a little bit. And I'm here to tell you right now, it is the last thing we need to do. We do not need to get complacent. We do not need to be prideful. We do not need to look at ourselves and go, look what we've done. It's not about us. There's a great story about a frog who wanted to get across the highway from one pond to another. And so the, pond, the frog is trying to figure out, how do I get from this pond to that next pond? And he comes up with an idea. He hatches an idea, and he says to these two ducks, he says, listen here, I'm going to put this stick in my mouth, and I want each of you to grab uh, an end of the stick in your bill and fly me over to that other pond. And the, the ducks are like, sure, whatever. And so uh, the, uh, I know, talking frog, right? So uh, why is he not on va- in vaudeville? Anyway, um, so hello, my baby. Anyway, um, you know what I'm talking about? The cartoon? Thank you. Uh, so, uh, so the frog bites down on the stick. The two ducks grab the, the sides of the stick, and they take off, and they fly over. And there's a fisherman in a boat down in the, in the pond. He goes, wow, that's an amazing job, an amazing idea. Who thought of that? And the frog goes, I did. See, when you get prideful, and you start thinking that you've done it all yourself, and you start taking all the credit for yourself, pride cometh before a fall, Right? So I don't want to get prideful as a church and, and say, look what we've done, look what we've done. I want to point to Jesus and say, look what he's done. Because what God is doing here, what Jesus is doing here is amazing. But I don't want to get 
prideful. And I don't want to get complacent where we sit back and go, man, we've been working so hard. It's just time to take it easy. No, the time to keep moving is now. If God says move, we move. Where God says go, we go. When God says it's time to move, we're going to move and we're going to do what he calls us to do. We're going to reach and exceed that vision that we have of reaching that 1% of the Griffith Highland area of unreached people. We're going to keep going, folks. And it, it can be real easy to sit back and go, you know what? And, and not only just as, as a church, but as individuals. As a Christian, you may think, you know what? I've been working hard at my faith. And, and I'm going to church now more than I ever did. Isn't that good enough? Or I'm putting more money in the offering plate than I ever did before. Isn't that good enough? Or I've been, uh, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about joining a, a small group Bible study. I'm going to join a connection group. Isn't that good enough? Or I've been volunteering in the children's ministry. Isn't that, isn't that good enough? I've been filling communion trays. Isn't that good enough? Good enough is the opposite of, of great. I love what Jim Collins says in his book, Good to Great. This is my, one of my favorite quotes. He says, good is the enemy of great. And that is one of the key reasons why we have so little that becomes great. We don't have great schools, principally because we have good schools. We don't have great government, principally because we have a good government. Few people attain great lives in large part because it is just so easy to settle for a good life. And it can be real easy to settle for a good church. When we can be a great church. And I believe that God wants us to be a great church. To not settle for the good enough. To not settle for good enough as Christians. To not settle for good enough as a church. Isn't it good enough that we've grown? Isn't it good enough that we've baptized so many people? Isn't it good enough that we've, we're, we're meeting our budget? No, it's not good en- We're not going to settle for good enough. We're going to keep moving forward to what is great. I put it this way. You cannot fix your eyes on the good behind you. Or else you will never reach the great that is in front of you. You cannot fix your eyes on the good behind you. Or else you will never reach the great that lies before you. Does that make sense? If we have, if we have our heads turned around the whole time, thinking about, man, we've done so many great things, and God has done so many great things, and we become prideful and complacent, we think about if our eyes are always on the past and what's happened back there, we'll never reach the great that lies in front of us. And I believe that God has great things in store for the First Christian Church of Griffith. God has great things in store for GFCC. God has great things in store for you as a follower of Jesus. God has great things in store for you as a Christian. And so think back over your life. Think back five, five years ago. I mean, were you even a Christian then? And now look at you. you, you you're moving forward. Life is changing. It's getting better. Things are going better. Your faith, you know what, it, it may not be any easier, but it's getting better. Think back to your, to your, uh, your home life. You know, are you, are you a better husband? Are you a better wife? Are you a better mother? Better father? You a better teenager? Is that even possible? Of course it is. Of course it is. What is, what is God doing in your life right now? Don't settle for good enough. Keep pushing toward what is great. And as a church, I want to challenge our leaders to not settle for good enough. I want to challenge our staff. Don't settle for good enough. Keep pushing ahead toward what is great. Because if we fix our eyes on what is good enough, we'll never reach the great that lies before us. And there is great out there. And I don't want to settle as a church for what is good enough. I want to keep reaching for what is great. Because we serve a great God. And He does great things. And if we will focus on Him, 
And if we will focus on, on the, the great plans he has for us, we will achieve greatness in the name of Jesus Christ. And we will see lives transformed. We will see homes transformed. We will see families transformed. We will see communities transformed. And we will see the world transformed by the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. Don't settle for the good that lies behind you when you can have the greatness that, that lies before you. Reach for the greatness that lies before you. And that's what we're going to talk about next week as we talk about the second half of Philippians chapter 3. So I want to encourage you to invite a friend to come join us next week and, and, and get ready because 2018 is going to be an amazing year here, folks. It is going to be awesome. And we're going to see God do amazing things. We're going to see God do great things in our church next year just like he has been these last three, four years. I'm so excited. I hope you are too. And I uh, just want to get, encourage you, get involved in the life of our church. Don't settle for good enough. Reach for the greatness and God will do great things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the greatness